Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show. It's on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today's episode, it's a year-end special, and I have a conversation on retirement with Jason Parker of Sound Retirement Radio. I always loved year-end as an institutional investment advisor. Those last two weeks of the year, clients didn't call you, you got a lot done, you could sort of think about how the year went and plan for the following year, and kind of doing that here at Money for the Rest of Us. So today I have an interview show, interview that Jason did with me. This was previously published on his podcast. And next week I don't have a regular episode of the podcast. Instead, I have a a podcast, a new podcast project that I'm going to introduce, assuming iTunes approves it. And so that'll show up in the in the regular podcast money for the rest of us feed. So you can I'll introduce that podcast to you. And and then if you want some additional listening on on money investing, if you're a member of my free insiders guide, you can listen to the mid-month strategy update that I do for members of Money for the Rest of Us Plus. We are going to be discussing emerging markets and career risk. This is based on a piece that Jeremy Grantham did recently for his third quarter letter. And he talks about how much should you have in emerging markets right now, given it's one of the few asset classes that are not overvalued. And so I talk about that in the mid-month strategy update as well as update other things regarding investment conditions. And so if you are a member of my Insider's Guide, you would have gotten an email link to that. If you're not a member, go to moneyfortherestofus.com and sign up for that that weekly free Insider's Newsletter. It's right there on the homepage. Or if you're a U.S.-based listener, just text the word INSIDER to the number 44222 and you'll get access to that audio, that mid-month strategy update. So in today's episode, this interview, we talked about a number of aspects related to retirement. One being, how confident can new retirees be in the numbers? The numbers, that the amount that they're spending, the amount that they need to live on given the high valuation of the stock market. We discussed sequence of return risk and how the returns, especially negative returns in your first few years of retirement, can can have a big, big impact on the outcome. And the idea of using investment buckets, setting aside three to four years of cash to, to help mitigate some of that sequence of return risk. We talk about practicing being retired, just trying it out. And then we, we talk a little bit about something we talked about on the show a lot, building a lifestyle business, which is part of my philosophy of, of living like you're already retired, trying to create a retirement or a, really a life plan that you could sustain for decades ahead so you don't necessarily feel this, this need to retire because the life you're living now is so enjoyable. Spend a few minutes talking about how too much to invest in speculative assets like gold or Bitcoin. And finally, why you won't get rich investing. We sort of reprised that that topic that I talked about in an earlier episode on the show, and I recommend a couple of books. If you're investing books, and, and actually if you, 
You will have been familiar with those books that I recommend at the very end of that podcast just because they're books we've discussed on this show. So I, I hope you enjoy this interview that Jason did with me. It originally was recorded by Jason and published on his Sound Retirement Radio program. That is a weekly show on that airs on 1300 AM on KKOL. That's in, in the Seattle area. Jason is president of Parker Financial. It's a fee-based wealth management firm, and he has lots of credentials. We had a delightful discussion, so I hope you enjoy the episode. David Stein produces and hosts the investing podcast, Money for the Rest of Us, where he teaches over 30,000 listeners per episode about money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. David also provides market insights, asset allocation help, and portfolio guidance to over 800 members of the Money for the Rest of Us Plus, an investment education uh, platform. Previously, David was Chief Investment Strategist and Chief Portfolio Strategist at Fund Valuation Group, FEG, a $50 billion institutional investment advisor. At FEG, David was co-head of the firm's 21-person research team that provides institutional research on private equity, real assets, hedge funds, equity, and fixed income, including topical level and manager-specific research. He was responsible for FEG's top-down research, including macroeconomic analysis, market sentiment research, model portfolios, and capital market analysis. David also co-founded FEG's $2 billion asset management division, developed its investment philosophy and process, and acted as lead portfolio manager for over nine years. Uh, David has spoken at numerous investment-related conferences, including uh, events that were hosted by Morningstar, iShares, TD Ameritrade, and I had the good fortune to meet him at a uh, recent FinCon. David Stein, welcome to Sound Retirement Radio. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. Man, that, what, that is quite the bio. Uh, you know, I actually didn't know all of that about you when we met and uh, had lunch at FinCon. So I'm really excited to have you on the program. And I know that uh, we're going to be able to add some significant value to our listeners' lives. Before we get into um, some of the nuts and bolts and things that people should be thinking about, I'm, I, I'm curious to know why you decided to, at 46 years of age, um, quit your successful investment career. More freedom, which, you know, it's just surprising because I, I didn't really have a boss and I worked in, I telecommuted, so I live in Idaho. My my home office is in Cincinnati, so I had a, a ton of, free, of, you know, supposed freedom, but I sort of felt like there was more. I could do more, could travel more, could, you know, just more. I, I sort of felt like I'd peaked right. and you kind of get, I was in my mid forties, sort of, it was kind of, you felt like you were kind of waiting out the clock and I just wanted more opportunity, more challenges. And so I left. Wow, man, that must've been, uh, now, um, what did, are, are you married or? I am married. Yeah. And what did and, your, what, what did your wife think about that? Uh, when you told her uh, she was, she was all for it. Really? <laughs> she was encouraging me. Oh, sure. And, and well, for example, so once I quit, I didn't have, I'd still had some, I had about 12 clients, you know, endowment and foundation clients in addition to my other responsibilities. So I had, I had meetings, I was flying everywhere. And so this allowed me, you know, we took three months to travel with our family in Europe and Asia. And it's been five, six years now. And that, that's precious time I've been able to spend at home with our youngest daughter and 
So it, it, it was a great move, personally. Wow. wow. So looking back, no regrets about uh, walking away from oh, the... not None at all. No. No. Well, um, that's, that's a fascinating story. I want to, you, you may not know this, but Sound Retirement Radio is all about retirement and helping people make this transition into and through retirement. One of the, one of the things that a lot of them are looking forward to is that freedom that you just mentioned that you, you also were seeking. And so um, if you had just one thing that you could share with people that are getting ready to make that transition into retirement, David, what's the most important thing you'd want to tell them? You can't just have empty freedom. You have to have freedom with a purpose. There, there needs to be some project, ongoing project, routine, a discipline that you're committed to. Because when I quit, it took me a while to figure out what am I gonna, what am I going to do with the rest of my life. And know, having what I do now, and, and continue to educate people and teach them, knowing I have to produce a podcast once a week, that gives me. You know, something a routine because just empty space. You know, and when I, I spend a lot of time with elderly, my my neighbor is ninety two, and it can be boring hmm. when you to be retired. It, it can be, and 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 it's something I've never really thought about because we're always always looking forward to this freedom, and we have it, but then if there's nothing we're committed to, we can get bored very quickly. Hmm. You know, I, I actually experienced that, a little taste of that. Um, several years ago, I decided to take a couple of weeks uh, off, and I had never done that in my life. Um, it was very foreign to me. But at the end of that uh, couple of weeks, I was going, I was getting a little stir crazy. I was like, I need to get back to being productive and working and doing doing something with my time. Um, and I got just a little bit of taste of what it was like to not have to do anything for several weeks. And uh and it was a it was a great refresher for me. I mean, I didn't even check email for a couple of weeks, but um, I was definitely ready to come back and and realize that at this point in my career and at that point in my career, I was nowhere near uh, ready to retire. David, we're we're in a weird economic environment right now, one where our our debt continues to grow over twenty trillion dollars. Now they're talking about tax cuts. The stock market is at some of the highest levels we've ever seen. Interest rates are starting to rise, putting pressure on bonds. If if somebody's getting ready to retire from a financial standpoint, can they have confidence that the numbers are going to continue to work for them from an investment standpoint as they make this transition into retirement? What are your thoughts about that? Well, you have to, you have to recognize where we're starting at. So bonds are real simple. It's based on math. And so if you look over the next decade... You, the expected return for bonds based on their current yield to maturity is about 2.7 to 3%. And if you assume that for bonds, 3%, and assume 5 to 6% for stocks, those are the numbers you should be basing your retirement on. Sort of a 4 to 5% you know, portfolio return. It's kind of best case scenario based on, as you mentioned, very low bond yields with upward pressure on interest rates and above average valuations. And so if you go in recognizing that those are the numbers and base your spending on that, then yes, you can be confident that retirement will work out. If you need 8% to 9% for your retirement math to work, then that's that's a challenge, which is why for for most individuals, they're going to have to continue to work some, perhaps part-time, in 
their retirement, which which is actually a good thing. It's a perfectly acceptable thing to do because we don't want to go into retirement with false numbers. We have to look at where we are. And, and, and where we are is very low bond yields and above average valuations for stocks, which means lower returns looking out over the next decade or two. With those, with that in, in mind, the concern is sequence of return risk. You Right at the time you retire, the market tanks. So it's not just the assumption of the, you know, maybe the low return, the 4 to 5% return. But what if somebody is getting ready to retire? They need money from their portfolio to help supplement the, their lifestyle needs. And the market falls off a cliff right at the same time. I mean, is that possible in today's environment from your standpoint? Well, of course, it's always, it's always possible. And sequence of return risk is huge, which is why most retirees should not go into retirement with a heavy equity exposure, stock exposure, 70 percent stocks. We should always assume that the market could fall 50 percent at any time and then think about, okay, what would the consequence of that 50 percent decline be on our retirement? For some, that means they'll, they'll put aside three to four years of spending in a separate account, which, you know, effectively lowers their stock allocation. Hmm. And but there, there's ways to go about that. But, yeah, going in with an equity heavy retirement, unless you have a pension plan, if you have a, a pension plan that's covering most of your expenses, then you can afford to take more risk. But if you're dependent on your individual retirement account and perhaps Social Security for retirement, then going into retirement with lower stock exposure is, is very, very important. So you do not get burned by this sequence of return risk. I think the other thing to, to keep in mind is just 30, 40 year retirement's a long time. So you take it year by year and look at, okay, what did I earn this year? And what did I spend? And you can adjust. You don't have to make, we're not making 30 year decisions here. We're making, we're taking retirement year by year. Mm, I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. I think it's important to try to make those projections out into the future and to at the same time realize that they're just projections and we're going to have to pivot. We're going to have to make some adjustments as, as uh, time goes on. I mean, that's, I think that is the prudent thing to do. You know, you're not the only one. I've had a lot of guests on this program over the years and um, some of them are very well respected in the industry. This idea of having three to four years of expenses of cash on hand seems to be a reoccurring theme. I mean, this is also in line with the type of planning that we do for a lot of people as they're making this transition into retirement. Why, uh, why do you think three to four years of, of cash is the right amount? Well, this is, it's really just mental accounting is what it is, right? When you think about having three to four years, what that effectively means, because I, I'm, I'm a, I look at it on a portfolio basis. So you, yes, you've set this money aside, but what's the overall asset allocation if you've set aside three to four years? It just means it's more bond heavy and less stock heavy, but it gives individuals some comfort so they don't emotionally overreact to what's going on with the market. So that's so it, it's not like it, it's a magic number. It's 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 an element of, of mental accounting, just knowing. And mental accounting is important for controlling our emotions, which is a big part of being an investor is controlling, understanding the math of how markets work, but also understanding the emotional aspect of it, both personally and how markets are driven by emotion. Let me pause from the interview to share some words from this week's sponsors. Support for today's show comes from Health IQ. They use science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people including runners, 
cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. These savings are exclusive to Health IQ. Like saving money by being a good driver, Health IQ gets you lower rates on life insurance for living a health conscious lifestyle. After all, physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease and 22% decrease in cancer mortality compared to people who remain inactive. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash David or mention the promo code David when you talk to a Health IQ agent. That's healthiq.com slash David to get your free quote. This episode is also sponsored by HelloFresh. They're a meal delivery kit service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. With HelloFresh, all the ingredients are delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging and come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. And HelloFresh offers a wide variety of of chef-curated recipes that change weekly, including the classic plan, which comes with a wide variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce, the veggie plan, which is what I used, vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins, and the family plan, quick and easy meals the whole family will love. Better yet, you can choose a delivery day that works best for your busy schedule and even pause your account for weeks at a time. I was really impressed with just the simple recipes outlined on pictures, step-by-step instruction cards, easy to follow, and the recipes, the meals we made were delicious. To get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code MONEY30. That's HelloFresh.com, code MONEY30 to get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. What are your thoughts? How important is it for somebody to really understand their expenses or their spending before they make that transition into retirement? No, it's huge. It's huge. In fact, I, one of your earlier guests, Roger Whitney, talked talked about this. I don't know if he did that in an episode, but in the past he said, because he's, he's a, a financial advisor, he has his clients practice retirement for a year. In other words, you live on the amount that you're planning on living as a retiree. And see, one that helps people realize what they're spending, but also can't, you know, what's it like to not have any income from your, your full time job, which was a transition when I quit my job. That was a huge transition for me, which I didn't really think about that I don't have a paycheck anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm dependent on that, that investment income. And so then I'm scared to make decisions. And so it's important to sort of kind of practice retirement. And one of the, the things that I t- teach a lot is live like you're already retired. Hmm. In other words, try to create a lifestyle that you can sustain for decades, maybe, you know, in a career or profession, part time, a, a side sort of a lifestyle business or something along those lines that you you don't have to just live in a way that you have what you want, but you're continuing to work in some way. And that way you're not dependent on your retirement portfolio until potentially late 70s or or your 80s. Hmm. I love that. You know, I um, well, a couple of things. First of all, 
for our listeners out there, we uh, we developed something called the retirementbudgetcalculator.com. And it's a SaaS software as a service where people can use this calculator to really dial in what their spending is going to be in retirement. And just a reminder to our listeners, we give a 50% discount off of the uh, off of the calculator if you use the coupon code podcast when uh, signing up for it. So if you're what you just said, David, I think is pretty typical for a lot of high income earners. Um, they don't focus a lot on their spending because they don't have to. But like you said, when you're when your paycheck ends, all of a sudden you realize you have to live off of what you have. The other thing that's fascinating to me is how people are making a living today and the opportunity or making maybe a side gig or a side hustle, which you just mentioned. I mean, one of the things I was fascinated by by attending FinCon were all the people that are making a really good income from their blogs and their podcasts and uh, and creating content and community online. What are your thoughts about uh, these Encore careers using that, those types of platforms? Well, it, it, it works, but it takes time. Peter Drucker used to say, when you quit your job and you're trying to, the, the management guru, when you quit your job and you're trying something else, allow yourself three to four years to be successful and to, to be able to totally replace your income. So I quit. I was 46. It's been five years. This is, this is the first year that I will have made enough on my podcast and, and education site to, to live on. So it's taken five years. And so because it's like a flywheel, because most things grow by word of mouth online. People tell other people and it takes a while to find your rhythm and you have to be consistent. So many people quit too soon. But if you're consistent and you're able to iterate and willing to learn and accept when you make a mistake and make changes, one can find what I call lifestyle business that sustains them for many years into retirement. I, I only work. You know, I work about 25, 30 hours a week. Mm. So this is still part time with a full time income gives me. And I my approach is I I don't like to sort of batch and get everything done and then go on vacation. I would rather work on vacation. So when we travel, you know, I was recently in Japan. You know, I podcast in Japan because it's if it's only 20, 30 hours a week, that's something I can do as I travel. And other retirees could do that too. find a way, figure out what lifestyle you want and how you can generate some income doing that and recognize it'll take a number of years to figure it out. Mm. I want to ask you about your thoughts between the the difference between investing, speculating, and gambling, and then uh, dovetail into uh, investing in gold or things like uh, Bitcoin. Well, sure. And this this is an important concept because, you know, my, my belief, you know, I've always been an asset allocator as an investor, both professionally and individually. And part of that is understanding, you know, what is a particular asset class? Is it an investment? And an investment is something that has a positive expected return. Often there's a cash flow element to it or earning. So a real estate investment, you're earning income, earning rent. A bond is investment. So because you have those income streams or a company stock has a profit, hopefully in, in aggregate, like an index fund, those are investments because there's a positive expected return. Something is a speculation where there's some disagreement of whether the return will be positive or not. And examples of that would be gold or Bitcoin. There is, there is no way to value gold to say, this is the right price for gold and it's over or undervalued. It, it is selling for whatever investors, others are willing to pay for it. And so there can be some disagreement. And there's a lot of disagreement right now. You know, is Bitcoin, 
over in a bubble? Is it a mania? Certainly people are excited about it. But you can't say Bitcoin is overvalued because there is no value. It's worth what willing are people to pay. And if people trust it, it might continue to do well. If people get disenchanted with Bitcoin, it'll plummet. And so that's a speculation. Gold is sort of in the same boat. It's been around for millennia, but there is no right price for gold. It's what investors are willing to pay. Gambling, on the other hand, has an expected negative return. <laughs> when you go to Vegas, you're not the house wins. Otherwise, Vegas wouldn't exist if the house didn't win. So you go in knowing, all right, expected loss in <laughs> aggregate, on average. Why do people gamble? They do it for the entertainment. <laughs> and there are other investments that are, are gambles. We won't go into it, but binary options is something that sometimes people get involved in where it's a specific, particular type of option. Sometimes they last only a, a minute or two or less an hour. That has a negative expected return. That's a gamble. And people do it for entertainment. They think it's an investment, but they soon realize that it's really hard to make money when something, when the house wins in yeah. order to stay in business. Yeah. So if people are going to allocate their resources towards these types of uh, speculative um investments, things like gold or Bitcoin, any rules of thumb about how much they should allocate? To, I mean, I'm hearing stories right now about guys taking their entire retirement savings and buying Bitcoin with it. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I, I have, in my case, I have about 5% of my net worth in, you know, four, four to 5% gold and another 1% in cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And, and I, to me, that seems reasonable. It's a hedge against whatever. Part of it's 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 just interest. I like to. There's, there's a big part of of investing is regret management, hmm. and part of regret management is well, something. If gold goes to ten thousand dollars an ounce, and I'm not in participating, I'll feel bad. Hmm. On the other hand, gold might not do anything, or Bitcoin could fall to zero. If I had most of my net worth in Bitcoin and that happened, I would feel, well, not only would I feel bad, but I would be in a, a serious financial, negative financial situation. And so the idea is to scale your exposure so you, if you want to, you can participate if it goes well, but you're not going to be harmed because speculations can go to zero because it depends on people trusting it. Mm-hmm. If people didn't trust gold, it would be worth nothing. The same for Bitcoin. It's a, it's. It's a trust asset. One of the things you say is that investing um, won't make people rich. Why do you say that? Because I've never, I've met very, very few people that got rich investing. I spent years meeting with hedge fund managers, other stock managers. And the reality is most hedge fund managers got rich because they have a hedge fund business. They're getting a share of the profits from their clients. And when we look at, we talked about expected returns for stocks of five to 6%, 3% for bonds, you're not gonna get rich on that. You're gonna, get, you're gonna save and, and you use investing to preserve your wealth, keep up with inflation. But if somebody wants to get rich, the best way to do that is to start your own business. And most people in the investment business that are wealthy have done so because they have an investment business not because they're necessarily earned it all through investing. Mm-hmm. Helped, and they probably have a good track record, but it came from the share of the profits that came from their clients. Clients paid them that money to make them rich. Mm. 
I uh, I am going to have some time here in the next month to read a little bit more than I normally do. And so I've been asking friends on Facebook what their favorite book is. And for our listeners out there, I'd love to hear their their thought too because I'm just trying to uh, narrow this my reading list down for December. But uh, how about for you, David? What's your favorite book? If you had to recommend just one, what would it be? Well, the let me just focus on investing. Best investing finance books I read this year was one by Andrew Lowe. It's called Adaptive Markets, Evolution at the Speed of Light. And he talks about just how markets actually are, right? There's so much argument. Well, markets are efficient. You should index everything. Markets are, are inefficient. You should be an active manager. He talks about most investors, we, we invest by rules of thumb and we're emotional beings. And he talks about the emotion of investing how to use rules of thumb in, in your investing and just, just how markets work. It's a great, great book on that. Awesome. And another book is uh, called The Wisdom of Finance. It's um, by Mahir Desai. And he just talks about, he kind of takes humanities and in stories and integrates them in finance. And that, that's, that's what I, I like in my podcast. I love telling stories. It's a narrative-driven show. Hmm. And so anytime there's a story with finance, I eat it up. David, we are out of time. Folks, if you want to find out more about David Stein, he has the Money for the Rest of Us podcast. You can find him online. David, thank you for being a guest on Sound Retirement Radio. Great. Thank you for having me, Jason. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jason. Just to remind everything that was discussed in this episode, it's for general education. I'm not, we have not considered your specific risk situation. We've not provided financial advice. This is simply general education on money investing in the economy. Have a great week.